Welcome back, everybody. This is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast with Paul Anderson. Hi, Paul. Hi, Nate. And I'm Nate Johnstone. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We've been talking about the wise men, the magi, uh, the not three kings from Orient, <laughs> the astrologers from probably Babylon. The bad guys. The bad guys. This is the thing that our modern readership doesn't understand, I don't think. Because we we grew up with this story. These are three. There's three of them, first of all, in our story, which <laughs> yes. that's not here. That's not in the book. Matthew 2 and never says there are three of them. They There are three different types of gifts that are given. So I think that's where the idea of three of them comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, but there could have been 12. Yes. There could have been 80. I that Probably find that not. difficult to believe, but but we have no idea. Okay, we have no idea how many they were, and they weren't kings because that's nowhere to be found in the book either. They were astrologers, and when Matthew says that word, the word wise men, all of his first century Jewish audience goes ooh boo boo. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to do when we read Matthew two. When we read Matthew two, us today in twenty twenty, whatever year it is you're listening to this, before or after the machine uprising. We read this to say, oh, this is the part where the wise men come. Yay. And we get warm fuzzies and we sing, we three kings. Um, But that's not how they read it in the first century. Okay. And we need to get this. If we're going to understand the passage, if we're going to understand any passage in the New Testament, I think we need to understand how it would have been read by the people who read it right away that day. People Matthew was writing to. And those people... When they read, now behold, wise men from the east, boo, that is the immediate response because the wise men are the bad guys. They are always the bad guys, particularly in the story of Daniel, which we talked about quite a bit last week. We I enjoyed did. that discussion. I enjoyed listening to you, Nate. We enjoyed that discussion. So hopefully some of you went back and read some of Daniel just to brush up on. So these are the bad guys. So we think. They're coming to Jerusalem at the end of verse 1. And what do they say in verse 2? Well, actually, before we get to verse 2, we might stay in verse 1 for a month. Read it again. Um, so verse 1 is, now, after Jesus was born, we talked about that. This is after the birth story. We don't know how long. Could be months, probably months. Could be many months. Yes. Could be 18 months. I think it was probably less than two years based on the fact that Herod later in the story says everybody two and under. But that's, that's just a deduction. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, of Judea in the days of Herod the king, and that's Herod the Great. We're talking about Herod the Great, which was also a boo, by the way. Big boo. (laughs) Herod was a big boo. They hated Herod. First century Jews hated Herod. First generation Christians. Herod, other than Judas, Herod was their most hated person. And he tried to be liked. I mean, he built the temple so that it became... Uh, one of the wonders of the world. He yeah. was a he was a powerful builder. He was just crazy and insane and godless and very power hungry. Yes, probably like Nebuchadnezzar before the smiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's the Herod, Herod the Great. Behold, wise men. And there's that word behold. It's a great word in scripture, by the way. It means suddenly, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the story changes. Narrative, quick right turn. Behold. Wise men, boo, from the east came to Jerusalem. So it says they're from the east. We talked about that a little bit. They come to Jerusalem. They shouldn't have come to Jerusalem. But they they got their answer. But I think they got off track. I think at that point, they may have made an assumption. Okay, tell me me more about this. The assumption would be... The city, where's the city of the great king? The city of the great king is Jerusalem. So, of course... 
were going to go to Jerusalem. They lost sight of the star. They found the star again after they left and they headed toward Bethlehem. The star was going to lead them to Bethlehem. They could have averted the slaughter of all those babies. Mm, okay. Very sad. So that's, those are some... Conjecture. Those are fighting words uh, if you're a pro-Magi guy. Um so that, that puts a lot of responsibility on them. Let's, let's read a little more so that we can see the sure. context that you're talking about. Uh, so Matthew 2, verse 2, saying, now these are the wise men, and the wise men say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And Herod the king heard this. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So, I like that uh, phrase, uh, and all Jerusalem with him. Ain't mama happy, ain't the whole house happy. Yeah. Ain't Herod happy, ain't all Jerusalem. Yeah, because Herod is a nut job. When Herod's upset, he's Look out. killing people. That's right. He's, That's he's cutting the heads off servants. He's killing people, senators' favorite mistresses. I mean, it's not a good day. And including his own family including his wives, including yeah. his child, one child. Yep. You don't want to be around this guy when he's mad. No. If Herod's upset, yes, all of Jerusalem is troubled because <laughs> of him. I don't know about with him, but because of him, yes. certainly. Not a fun guy to be around when he's mad. Um, so he brings everybody together. He says, where's the Christ to be born? So he interpreted king of the Jews to be Christ because the Magi don't say the word Christ. Mm. They don't say Messiah. They say, Good point. where is he who has been born king? Yes. So where do you go to find the new king? You go to the king, right? Yes. It makes sense. Yes. And so I, I agree with you that the way, the reason they came to Jerusalem was because they assumed. It made sense. They assumed the king, the next king, who is going to be a special king, but he's going to be king, would be born to the king. Where else would he be born? Yes. Right? Bad mistake. Yeah, bad mistake. Because Herod's going, well, to my knowledge, I haven't had a kid recently. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not good news. Anything mm. that would challenge his power would be bad. Herod interprets king of the Jews to be Christ. He asks the chief priests and the scribes where the Christ is to be born, and they tell him about the passage in Micah 5. They may have known that, <laughs> or it may have taken them a while. They may have had a Bible seminar right. to, to figure this thing out. We got to find an answer. Yeah. And, you know, like with all things that happen in the Bible, when we look at this from our modern eyes, we see all of this taking place really quickly. Bango. You know, this is like a one day deal that all this, this is probably weeks. It could have been. Weeks. Yeah. Just to... Just to go from your house all the way to Herod's palace and, and to talk about it. And like, th there was no email. They couldn't look things up on Google. They didn't even have phones. No, they, they had scrolls, guys, scrolls. And they didn't bring all the scrolls with them to Herod's house. They had to go back and get their scrolls or send a servant back. Um, they didn't have, you know, Amazon Prime scroll delivery <laughs> back then. They had to wait. And so all this kind of stuff takes a lot of time. The wise men are guests of the king during this time. And they start to wonder, I think. And this is what you were saying. So we came all this way. What's going on? Yeah. There's no baby here. The king seems upset based on the number of heads that have hit the floor lately. That that's a conjecture as well, but based on who Herod was. What are the wise men thinking at this point? You know, I wonder, I wonder if they're getting concerned, if they're worried, if they're second guessing themselves. Are we, do we do the right thing? Are we right? And if you're correct, Paul, maybe they're starting to think they missed the boat. They made a mistake. They screwed up. 
by going to Herod in the first place. And so just to, to be sure I'm hearing what you were saying before, you think they saw the star. So they say we, we saw the star when it rose. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting word. I don't know. I'd have to look, look it up to see what it means in an astrological sense. But the star rose, it appeared, they saw it for the first time, and they started following the star. And you're saying that at some point they stopped following the star. Is that what you're thinking? I am conjecturing, Yeah. but I think that they made an assumption. And you don't make assumptions with regard to revelation. Mm. You let God speak to you. You let God make it clear. Because then when they left, it was clear again. When they got on the road to Bethlehem, then they saw the star. Yeah, and it says they rejoiced. So there's something to there. And what you just said will preach, by the way, um, not to make assumptions when it comes to revelation. And I think with with prophetic words, that's a big problem that people have. Mm -hmm. When they receive a word for someone else, when they hear a word for themselves, we teach people to say exactly what you heard or saw and don't interpret it. It's very easy to say, I think God wants you to get a new job. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, what did you actually hear? Well, I felt like God was saying there's a change coming and it's going to be good, but it's going to be different. Well, that's a very different thing than get a new job. You know, people, and I, I know, I know people who I'm very close with who have had words given over to them that were false, not because the original word was false, but because the person gave it with an interpretation that was not right. Mm. Um, Don't add assumption to revelation. Did I say that? Yes. I like that. I know. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm saying that's going to preach, man. Okay. (laughs) Did I say that? I like your sermon. Well, I'm I'm giving you credit for it. Okay. Thanks. Um, So that's important to do, I think, in our our daily life, is is not to add assumption to revelation, to get used to listening to God, writing it down, or or speaking it out um, exactly as we heard it, and then pray about it and let, let the the revelation of the meaning of it come about mm-hmm. without putting in your own assumptions. The Magi do that here. And if that is what's going on, then woo, these consequences are dire. Oh, oh sad. Oh, sad. I don't even like to read that part. I, I hate to read it. I hope not. I, I, I hope, I, I don't want to put any blame for the massacre on the Magi. Even if you say that, and you can disagree, that's okay. But even if you say had they not come, it wouldn't have happened. And I, I, I'm, follow, I'm tracking what you're saying there. If, if you're saying, look, it was a mistake to go to Herod. That was an assumption. The king is going to be born to the king, obviously. And I, I agree with that. I think that makes sense. Um, I still want to put all the blame for the massacre on Herod. Oh, absolutely. Um, boy, wouldn't it have been nice if it hadn't happened. Mm. But, but at the same time, if the Magi hadn't shown up to Herod, he might have found out about it another way. That's right. Rumors came from some crazy drunk shepherds. We assume they were drunk because they were talking crazy about a Messiah being born in Bethlehem. You know, word could have gotten to him that way. Uh, somehow, I think Herod probably would have found out. Mm-hmm. Um, because the devil would have made sure he found out. Because it's the devil who wanted Herod to kill the babies. Sure. Sure. But we're not there yet. We're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So these magi, they're coming. And why? Why do they come in the first place? Because these guys, we talked about, they're the bad guys. They're pagans. Okay. They, they are not followers of Yahweh. And they see a star and they find in the Hebrew scriptures where it talks about a star. It's Numbers 24, by the way. And they decide to go. It, why? It's very strange. Why? In order to do this, they, I believe, and this is some conjecture here, the wise men are sacrificing a lot in order to make this journey. Mm-hmm. We talked about how long it probably was. I think it's very easy to say that it was at least an 18-month journey there and probably about the same back. Paul said they were walking. They may have walked. They may have rode camels. I'll be on Team Camel just to be different than what you said, Paul. <laughs> and, but that's a long journey. It's a risky journey. There, there's nomad territory. There, pirates, 
Um, and it's incredibly expensive. You would have to bring soldiers to protect you. You'd have to bring tons of supplies and provisions. You'd have to bring people who could find water. So we're talking about a huge entourage of folks. A huge entourage. You don't just take five astrologers and kick them into the desert. They will not make it more than a week. They'll die. They've got to have tons of people with them. So this is insanely expensive. I think it's pretty safe to say that they are spending their entire fortune on this endeavor. And it's very risky. Not only do you have the risk of dying and starving and pirates and being murdered and stuff like that on the way, which is a very real risk, but you are leaving your god emperor, whom you are required to worship, and you're going to go worship someone else. That's problematic. Especially if you are a high up official in that government. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we're talking about like people who are in the cabinet of the president and these cabinet members that might be giving them a little too much credit, but people really close. Okay. Way high up. Maybe they all work for the secretary of magic. Uh Um, So officials, the undersecretaries of astrology, imagine that in America, they all decide they're going to go to Russia and pay homage to Putin. We would have a problem with that. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. I think people tried to talk him out of it. I, I think people try to talk them out of it. I, I, if, assuming they're, some of them are married, I mean, how does that discussion go? Hey, babe, so I'm going to go find this baby in our enemy terri- our enemy's city and worship it. I'm going to spend all our money on it. I'll be back in, I don't know, three or four years. Have fun. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how that conversation goes. It can't go well. Um, I think they probably had to do it in secret, at least partially, because again, you're talking about the Parthian Empire and the Roman Empire. These are enemies. They've been at war for over a century at this point. And so if these wise men are from the Parthian Empire, which I presume that they are, they're going into enemy territory. If you're an official and you say, hey, wait a minute, one of our employees is going into the enemy territory without authorization. It's bad for diplomacy. It could be a war crime. I mean, you don't want to send someone unauthorized. I mean, if they get caught, they're dead because they're spies. If you're Rome and you capture anyone, you probably kill them no matter what because that's who Romans were um, at the time. But if you capture an enemy, they had a hundred words for murder. The Romans did a hundred different words. There was a very specific word for if you stab a guy right here with a certain type of knife. Where's here? Uh, The jugular. Okay. It was jugulare, which is where we get the term jugular vein from. If you stab a guy right there, jugulare. That's how I killed him. They were very specific about their art of death. And so if the Romans find people in the en- from the enemy camp, officials, not just random folks, not sightseers, okay? These aren't vacationers. Why would you vacation in Israel? I don't know um, at that time. But so these aren't vacationers. These are officials. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, I mean, back in the Cold War, if we found Soviet officials, like people who are members of the Soviet government, and they all of a sudden showed up in America, they're arrested like immediately. And the Soviet government's like, we disavow all knowledge of them. We didn't even know they were there, which in this case would have been true. They're not getting out of prison, probably ever. (laughs) Okay. So this is a very, very serious thing. This is, this is international espionage at the highest level to the two massive superpowers. And you have officials from one of them sneaking in to the other kingdom. This is crazy stuff. I think they would have had to leave in secret because if the, if the emperor found out that they were going to the Roman Empire to do this stuff, he would have been like, uh, no, absolutely not. At the very least, that's going to make me look like an idiot. And it could cause a whole bunch of problems for us. Okay, so absolutely not. So they are risking a ton by doing this. They're also risking their own life by entering into Roman territory. Because again, they're the enemy and they're entering into Roman territory. I think the, excuse me, the wise men are really 
taking their whole lives into their hands. It's a massive, massive risk. So they're sacrificing a ton. They're risking a ton. Why? Something got a hold of them. Something must have. Something moved in their heart, took them beyond curiosity. I like the scripture that says, if with all your heart you truly seek me, you shall surely find me. There was something that got through. The heavens declare the glory of God. These are heaven gazers. Mm -hmm. Something humbled them and caused them to be open to divine revelation. God can use anything. He can yep. use a star. If they're gazing at stars and they're open to him, he'll use a star. That's what he used. They were humble. There was something about them. They weren't like a lot of the wise men who were sneaky with Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. These guys, there was something childlike about them that got honored. I'm a little disappointed in that answer, Paul, because I was hoping we might be able to argue this point. But <laughs> unfortunately, we agree. Oh, good. Um, I, I don't want to argue with you on this. <laughs> Asian history is not my thing. I think they had to have had a revelation from God. Right on. And to me, that is the only explanation for what they did. They risked everything, their whole life, their jobs. When they come back, they don't have their jobs anymore. I can almost guarantee you that. Uh, you abandoned us. You abandoned your God emperor. You went to worship the king of an enemy. Uh, actually, we're going to kill you. I mean, it's it's not going to go well for them. They risk absolutely everything, including their own life, their own fortune. There's no reason for that. It makes no sense. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I think that's what the reader is supposed to say. When they're reading Matthew, they read 2 verse 1, wise men, boo. And then they read the story. And I think you're supposed to be in absolute awe. Your mm -hmm. jaw is supposed to hit the floor when you read Matthew 2. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to go... Two, two. What? Right. You read you read verse one, wise men, boo. And then you read verse two. They yes. came to, yes. what? to, to worship. worship him. Well, it must be a trick. Wise men are tricky. Trick, trick, trick. But it turns out they were not. They were genuine. Your jaw is supposed to hit the floor when you read this, this chapter. And the only explanation I have for why these obvious bad guys risk all that to come and to worship him. And when they get there, we'll, we'll probably get to it next week. But they genuinely worship God, I think. I think, I don't think they're tricking. I think they're real. I mm -hmm. think they're genuine. Yes. The only explanation I have for that is that they, this isn't just scholarly curiosity. Okay. Scholars don't risk their, despite what strange movies would maybe tell you, scholars don't actually risk their lives in order to go check something out. They just sit around and debate it. That's all they care to do. They had to have had a genuine revelation from God. I think they saw the star and something in them came alive. And they were like, whoa, this is, this is interesting. And they looked it up. Maybe they genuinely sought and said, whatever God this is, reveal yourself to me. Who knows how it happened? I don't know. But I think God did. I think God revealed himself to them. And maybe it was one and then he talked to others and it was others. Maybe it was several at the same time. Maybe they all had dreams. I mean, this is this is Babylon. I think that would have been cool if they all had dreams, like like in the days of Daniel. And then somehow they came together and they started talking her like, I think this is real. I think this is real too. Well, it'd be crazy. I mean, it'd be crazy if we went, right? It'd be crazy if we I mean, we obviously we can't do that. Well, no. Well, and somehow they they have the faith to go. This is I, I, this is faith. This is faith indeed. They the, this is faith to the to the level of Crazy like faith. Abraham. This is yeah. this is faith to the level of Abraham. Go, leave everything you have, and I will show you where you're going. Head in that direction. Jesus used two phrases 
It says he marveled at their great faith and he marveled at their unbelief. There are a couple places Mm -hmm. where he says he marveled at their faith. The centurion who says, you don't have to come. You just speak the word because I know what authority is. I know what that's all about. And Jesus marveled at his faith and healed his servant. And then when they did not believe in Capernaum, he marveled at their unbelief. This is something to marvel at. It is. I think this is is an exercise of faith way up there with Abraham and the centurion. It is a marvel to me. And faith doesn't come from nothing. Faith is a gift from God, it says in scripture. And it's the exact opposite of the leaders, the present leaders, the chief priests who give them the answer and it's five miles away and they sit where they are (laughs) and don't move. They could have walked there in a couple hours and uh, God could have revealed himself to them, but they were not open. And if you're not open, God will hide the truth from you. He Mm. will not reveal it to them. They must have been open because he revealed himself to them. And that's that's what happens to kids when we're childlike faith is what God wants us not to think that we know it. They knew it. They knew the answer. They had it, but yeah. they had fact and they did have they had no faith. And I think and that, I'm preaching now when I'm saying you are. I think Do you it. know that because my voice is getting strong. <laughs> Preach it, brother. Um, let's let's come back and talk about that more next week, because I think that's a I think that's maybe the crux of this story is the fact that those you expect do not worship Jesus and those you least expect do. Yes. And I think that's possibly the point of Matthew as a book as well. So let's come back next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless. 